February 11, 2024, the big game is going on today. But the big game was going on yesterday. The big game was going to be going on tomorrow. The only one who deserves the crown has already been crowned. The word says every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Let's just keep it in perspective, right? Facing daylight. John 9, 4 through 5, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent us. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. An urgency to this statement from Jesus. Continuing our series in Chasing Daylight, again out of the book, uh, following along in the book of Irv McManus, Chasing Daylight from about 20 years ago. If you want to go purchase that, I encourage you to do that. I think it's a great, great book. And, but we've been covering choices, initiate, uncertainty. Dr. Dan did a great job last week with risk. And today I'm going to talk to you about influence. Chasing Daylight, there has to be a part of influence that we understand and we lean into in order to be what we're supposed to be in the world. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. But a few weeks ago, I talked to you, 1 Samuel 14, you can go look that up, and Jonathan and his armor bearer, and again, we'll probably come back to that in maybe another week or two, but especially in that passage of Scripture where he was going over to the mountain, <clears throat> going over to where the, the, the Philistines were, they were hiding in a cave, and he says to his armor bearer, let's go there, and he says, perhaps, 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 this uncertainty, perhaps, the Lord will help us. But he knew this. In order to advance the kingdom, you can't do it hiding in a cave. To advance the kingdom, you can't do it in retreat. To advance the kingdom, you've got to be moving. You've got to be looking at this, and you've got to have people around you. I love, the, again, the armor bearer. Again, I won't preach that whole sermon, just briefly reminding us. He says, I'm with you heart and soul. Let's go. Whatever you believe the Lord's telling you, I'm in. And there is nothing like people coming around you who say, man, I'm with you heart and soul. I'm in. You look at Caleb and Joshua, and I love when you read that and what they've made the decision. I think, I don't know how many times I have to go back and look at it, but where they said they were in it wholeheartedly. There was nothing in reserve. They were in, all in. Man, it ain't nothing, like I said, as, as a leader or as a couple or as parents that you can look at each other and go, I'm in it heart and soul. I'm in it wholeheartedly. There ain't nothing like that. You've been around renovation very long. You've seen our vision statement. It's to raise up influencers through spiritual transformation to be salt and light where they're engaged and influential. To raise up influencers, and you could put in there witnesses or disciples. You could, you could interchange, but we use the term influencers to be through spiritual transformation and formation too. We believe there's framework, there's disciplines that God gives us to do and become. <clears throat> but without that, but you can be formed and not transformed. To be changed into what Christ, to be more Christ-like, to be soft and light 
where we're engaged and influential, not just trying to bring you to the church to do all the work here at the church, but we want to give you the tools to be what God's called you to be, salt and light, wherever he's already placed you, in your home, in your school, in your workplace. And I think that's one of the challenges the church has had over the years is trying to bring people into the church, which is great, and to get busy at the church, but not giving the tools to do what they need to do out there. And so that's part of what we do at Renovation. One of them is through Uncommon that we're going through right now. We're through our fourth week, halfway through. And I think that group is hanging in there with us. And uh, we believe part of that is in, in the message we talked today about walk in front. It's such a huge part of, of what this is. But there's all kinds of ways to influence. I mean, as a parent... One of your biggest challenges, and not everybody here is a parent, I realize that, but, one of, but, but you were a child probably at some point, if nothing else, okay? But you, as a parent, one of your biggest challenges and biggest hopes is you can influence your children to right choices, right decisions, that not only honor God, but also keep them out of a lot of trouble along the way, and you hope that that's the deal. But we also know that influence can be a very negative thing. There is a dark side to, to this where it's about power and it's about manipulation, it can be from social media, it can be from our government, I mean, from a political system, it can be from all that, where is this intention to manipulate, to influence, to manipulate for power, for the dollar. That's the dark side of influence. And again, back to being a parent, if you've been a parent very long, and again, you may even know this as a, as a child, where you can influence your child for, say, the first 16 years, and there's this crazy phenomenon that happens, is they run into somebody else, and in a day, they have more influence on your child than you did the first 16 years, and you paid for their iPhone, you paid for their food, you paid for their lodging, <laughs> you paid all those things, but somewhere in there, there is this negative influence that takes over their lives and it may reset the course for their life for the rest of their life and somehow or another that influence is turned in a moment anybody ever experienced they don't have to raise your hand but i know we have and i know i did at 16 years old my parents didn't want the road that i chose for the next decade at all but others had more influence on me than they did in that moment but that's not what we're going to talk about today we want to talk about the upside of influence, the influence that comes from trying to advance the kingdom. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. In other words, if you don't see Christ in it, don't do that. But our goal with influence, back to our vision statement, is not for people to act like us. Our goal in influence is not so that people will watch our lives and want to be more like us and act like us. Our goal is they will watch our lives and want to be more like Jesus. So they go, that's the only place that could have come from. That, that didn't just come from, hey, they went to a good self-help thing. They went to a Tony Robbins and he hit his chest enough times. They, not that. No, no, maybe you can do those. And I'm not saying those are not supplemental along the way. But we want people to, to be, we want to influence people so they will want to be more like Jesus. Because we are limited. 
on how much we will act like Jesus. But we want that. So my question to the this morning and, and kind of the overall of, of this message is if those in your life were asked, if you can do it in one sentence, if those in your life were asked what influence you had on them, whether for a short season, a long season, or a lifetime, what would you want them to say? One sentence. What would you want them to say? Our mission statement also is to live by faith, to be known by love, be a voice of hope. And it comes out of 1 Thessalonians 1, 3 through 7, but it has to do with this morning's message. Paul's writing said, we remember for our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus. Again, our mission statement, faith, hope, and love. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only simply with words. I'm back to, I don't want you just to be influenced by what I say to you. Not just what I say, but I've got something packed behind this. And it's not me. The actions I take are not just about me and, oh, look what I know. There's something behind that. It's got something connected to it because I, you know because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power with the holy spirit and deep conviction you know how we lived among you for your sake for your sake not for our sake but for your sake you became imitators of us and of the lord okay of the lord imitators of us and of the lord <clears throat> for you welcomed the message in the midst in the midst of the best time ever. You, I mean, your economic forecast was awesome. No, that's not what he says. In the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model. You became examples. You became influencers to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. You became models. Here's the remarkable thing about influence. It's a learned behavior. So many times in our lives, and the reason why we moved, used to, I, I used to teach on leadership. I no longer teach on leadership, even though I can teach on leadership. I teach on influence. Because one of the things that happened over time was is that people would opt out because I'm not in position of influence, of, of, of leadership. I don't have that. I don't have that position. I don't have that skill set. I wasn't genetically put in position where I had that I wasn't I don't have the spiritual gift of leadership so you know what I'm just going to opt out of that teaching but you can't opt out of influence you can be a five-year-old influencing your siblings 45 85 there's not an age issue it's just to decide whether or not you want to do it and do I want to learn how to do this especially for the kingdom and for the purpose of that, purpose only is the reason why we're teaching this today. And again, we want you to be a great influence in good decisions no matter what. But ours is about being more like Jesus. I used this passage of scripture a few weeks ago, but hopefully you'll forgive me because I want to use it again. Um, but it's Matthew 5, 13 through, 9, 13 through 16. Many of you know this, probably may have memorized. 
That's Jesus' words. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. There's a whole teaching around that that I'm not going to get into today, but it's awesome. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine. It's not an option to put it under a bowl. The option is to put it on a stand so that people can see it. But not for you, but for what? His glory. But I think we would all agree, if we thought about it very hard, that the church has lost its influence in this culture. I mean, all you got to do is look at the statistics and see not only the people attending church, but maybe one of the greatest ways is to see is that, you know, it's not, and I would say this, it's not about location because I'm going to tell you, we've got some of the best locations in, probably in, this, in, the, in the valley, putting some of the churches where they are. It's not even technology, and I know we're not at, as up to speed as a lot of them, but we're pretty, we've got technology, but, but it's not because of lack of technology. The reason why we don't have influence is the lack of relevancy. In their mind. Because back in the day, churches were built in the town square. Maybe you built a courthouse and you built some other things around, but one thing that wasn't missing, that was always included, was a church. But we're no longer in the town square, figuratively. We've been moved to the edge of town. And often, we're one of the last ones to be asked, what do you think about this? Now, part, there's a lot of reasons behind that. But I think the biggest one is we've neglected our responsibility to be salt and light. Often can't tell the difference <laughs> in us and, and in anyone else. So as Jesus said to be salt and light, one of the things about salt is, is, is that the Roman soldiers were paid in salt and would revolt if they didn't get their pay. And our English word for salary comes from salarium, which means, uh, it means salt money. And that's where we get the term, he's not worth his salt. How do any of you use that term this week? I have. He's not worth what you paid him. Not worth what you, not worth your salt. But salt and his purpose, as most of us know, and again, there's a lot of deep teaching behind this, but it's, it's a preservative. But it's also flavoring for seasoning. And Christians should be that personification, if you will, should be that example of how life is supposed to be lived. I've said this over and over. When the good news comes into your life, it should be good news for everybody who comes in contact with you. Not just good news for you. You should be different now. There should be something happening in your life that even if people don't believe what you believe, they are glad you got that. 
Because there's something different about you. And it makes their life better. Again, whether they agree with it or not. Colossians 4, let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The old saying, you, can't, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, you feed him enough salt, he will drink. Salt of the earth. But the light, and light is very simple, obviously. We do it on Christmas Eve. We talked about it a few weeks ago. That one of my favorite parts that we didn't get to do on Sunday mornings like we did this year is when you light that one little candle and it's pitch black in here on Christmas Eve and that one candle begins to dispel the darkness. But then you light the rest of them and all of a sudden there's this beautiful picture of being the light. Light also awakens. Light also purifies How do we influence? Earl McManus, from his book, says, this is the essence of influence. To win the heart and soul of another person through the strength of your own character and personhood. It means you've got to build trust. You've got to build trust over time. And this is in our teaching of Uncommon, but when we talk about this, Trust is more than being, being, being able to simply tell the truth. Well, I can trust you because you're not going to lie to me. And, and, and oh, I can trust you because, oh, well, you're not going to steal my money. That's good trust too. Or you're not going to steal my wife or my house or my car. Those are all good things, so don't hear what I'm not saying. But when I talk about trust, I'm talking about can I trust your motives? Can I trust your values? Can I trust your direction in life that you're really headed somewhere? And man, I look at your life and go, man, I don't know what all that is, but you know where you're headed. You're committed to this. The person who should have the most influence on your life is the person who has your best interest at heart. Can I trust that? That you're not manipulating me for your good. I truly can trust your motive. I'll minister to anyone. The worst of the worst to the best of the best of you or whatever that even means. But I choose my influencers very, very carefully. Because they affect every part of my life. I believe one trait trait of of, trait of great influencers, and I look at it from the life of Jesus, is one you don't assume just because someone lives a certain way or acts a certain way today that they will always be that way. Sure, Jesus ended up with tax collectors and prostitutes and all kinds of different, but he didn't leave them the same. They were different because they, ran, they came in contact with him. They were different. Now, you can run anywhere, minister to anybody. You better be sure who you are first, but you also better go in knowing that the person I'm seeing in front of me today, if God gets a hold of their life, 
There's no ceiling on what God can do. There's no limit on what he can do in their life. Luke chapter 19, and we're not going to read that verse. You can look it up later. Luke chapter 19, 1 through 10, but Zacchaeus, is a wee little man, right? Head tax collector in Jericho. Jesus is coming through town. My understanding is maybe one of Jesus' last uh, ministry things that he does besides the, you know, the, the night before you know, with, with, with the Lord's Supper, which we will participate in here in a little bit. <clears throat> but it's one of his last things. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he goes through town, and there is Zacchaeus up in the tree trying to get his best view of Jesus. I don't know, again, maybe the crowd, he'd heard about Jesus. I don't, know what all, I don't know if he'd seen Jesus before. We don't know. But what we do know is this day he's going to all kinds of efforts. And what did Jesus do? Jesus sees Jack, Zacchaeus. He sees him. He speaks his name. Come down out of this tree, and what does he say to him? He said, salvation has come to your house. I see you. You, I, nobody needs to be seen by everybody, but all of us need to be seen by somebody. And I want to say this about influencers, and this back to Zacchaeus. Parents, mentors, how you see someone else because of your influence on them very, may, very well may be the way they see themselves and how you speak over their life and how you speak into their life. You have the opportunity to change the way they see themselves. But not only by words, but by action. But what I love about the story of Zacchaeus, and you look it up, he's transformed. He was repurposed. <laughs> he, starts, he starts giving money back, right? One of the things that's so great about when you transform one of them is generosity and, and, uh, and giving is one of the significant traits. But, but what I thought is great about Zacchaeus, and back to our mission statement in that sense, is that Zacchaeus didn't quit being a tax collector. He just became a different kind of tax collector. He went back to where he was engaged and influential, but he was a different guy. He was repurposed. He was redirected. He had the same job. But because of Jesus' influence on his life, sure, could he have left? Because many did leave, right? They followed Jesus. They left fishermen and fishing. Some left being tax collectors. But in this case, Jesus sent him back as an example. I spent two decades with students. As a youth pastor, of course, raised our own four kids. Jan and I raised four together. And our hope as we did that was a balance of grace and truth. And one of the ways what we call is, is an arm around their neck and nose to nose. So the arm around their neck was they, lo- they knew we loved them. They knew we were for them. But we're not messing around. We love them, and nose to nose was, you're going to get the truth here because you're only on my watch for a certain amount of time. Sometimes I only had students maybe two or three hours a week. And I would tell them over and over, I really don't care what you think of me at 16. It's what you think of me at 36 I'm most concerned about. I'm not here to be your friend. That's not the position God. Now, if I become your friend, that's awesome. I may come like a second dad to some of you. 
But what I am here, God has put me in your life at this moment and this time as, as your pastor. And my role right now is to see you live into the fullest potential you can possibly live while you're on our watch. You're on my watch. Did it run some off? I'm sure it did. But most didn't. Because there was this balance and we knew we had an influence in that moment. We knew God had given us this tool and this position to speak into their life. Tried that with my own kids over the years and sometimes it worked. And I think today it still works, but sometimes you don't have the luxury like I do right now of looking back over time, which we do. But influence, a lifetime. Quite a few years ago, I did a funeral for two brothers, maybe a year apart, and they both passed away. One of them had no children, but had had accepted the Lord as his Savior and lived almost all his life following after Christ. I did his funeral in in the uh, um, auditorium of a funeral home, packed out, and it was great. It was a great celebration of his life. About two years later, I did his brother's funeral there, and his brother had 11 kids. He had not lived for the Lord, and the story with his kids were pretty horrible. He came to know the Lord about two months before he died. And I stood there in that exact same building, in that exact same pulpit, and had to preach the good news of him accepting Christ. And I'm telling you, the the room didn't accept it. Two years before, it was great. They were celebrating this brother. Who had, who had given to others and had lived the life in front of them. But now, they don't want to celebrate, especially his kids. They don't want to celebrate his life, even though he had given his life to the Lord. And I mean, they were staring a hole through me. And it was such a different thing. Two brothers, same room, both Christians, but a whole different stories. For Jan and I, and I've talked about it more recently than probably I should there is no doubt. I regret today some of, or many of our financial decisions. But I do not regret the people we try to become once I knew the truth and his name is Jesus Christ. I do not regret that. There's a lot of regrets I have, but it's usually around that, but it's not around that decision we've made. And what I've realized over and over things that matter most usually don't cost you any money and things that matter most you don't get paid for because your legacy and your influence is the difference your life has made to those who have come in contact with you your legacy is not written when you die your legacy is written when you live it's written every day you don't write your legacy at the end It's written every day of your life. And the church, like Renovation Church, you've heard me talk about this before, but if we were gone tomorrow, would anybody care? Would really anybody care? Go, well, hey, man, I hope they build some million-dollar houses on that, you know, four and a half acres there. That'd look a whole lot better than that church does. That may be all they care about. I don't know. 
But it is a question, right? That if you're gone, are you missed? How about us personally? See, I think being missed when you're gone is a, is a worthy objective. They live a life in such a way that when you're gone, you are missed. Because of the influence that you intentionally put in place, that you hope more and more that it didn't make people want to be more like you, but it made people want to be more like Jesus. But your intention every day, and sure, the big game today, but the big game's yesterday, and the big game's tomorrow, and the big game's going to continue. And it's the choices we make in the middle of that. And the influence that we have. I know the scripture says that, and usually talking about sin that can affect the third and fourth generation, but I think it can be the other way too. That fourth generation from now, what are they going to be saying about because of the influence you had. So in one sentence, if those in your life were asked what influence you had on them, whether for a short season, long season, or a lifetime, what would you want them to say? Yeah, I thought about this as I was working on this this week. And I'm not there, so I'm not but it is a worthy thing, and I, the reason why I use this is the first time I met Brother Paul Holderfield Sr. that many of you know I've talked about. I met him in 1990. This is what I walked away with, and I still hope that someday for my life, and I'm sure not there, is that the incarnation of Christ in a person is possible. That the incarnation of Christ in a person is possible. Not there, by no means. He's not done with me. But I do believe that's a worthy cause. Whatever your sentence is, hope you think about it this week. I'm going to ask Josiah to come up as we move in time of 